chapter number 10, Romans chapter number 10. I think Jake, he's on it. Jake is the man. Romans chapter number 10, and uh, we'll look at verse number 1 through verse number 17. We'll try to read quickly here. We'll go to a few passages uh, this evening, so try to keep your uh, Bible handy. My wife, you know, you know, there's certain, some, some preachers, they make you stand when you read the Bible. My wife's like, don't ever do that. That's the worst. So let's all, I'm just joking. Uh, so we'll stay seated. Uh, I appreciate uh, people that do that, but it's, uh, it's fine. It, re- it reads the same sitting. There's uh, uh, Johnny Pope. He, uh, he was in college. My dad would tell the story. He was, he was in college, and you know, Johnny Pope, you know, he, he'd, uh, he'd read the Bible on his knees, and I heard him a while back. He's like, yeah, it reads the, reads the same sitting down. You know, <laughs> uh, Read the whole Bible on his knees. It was kind of a thing he wanted to do. And anyway, so verse number one of chapter 10 of Romans says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. So you see the book of Romans, obviously written to the church at Rome by uh, the Apostle Paul. And so he kind of, it's definitely not a, not a stopping point, or, uh, but he kind of addresses the children of Israel here through chapters 9, 10, and 11. So um, he addresses the Hebrew people, and his desire for them, obviously, is to receive Christ. Obviously, these are the folks that have put Jesus on the cross and have um, rejected him. He came unto his own, and what's the Bible say? His own received him not. And so we find in this passage the means by which someone receives salvation here in a few verses. Uh, if you um, go soul in here, you see a tract, these Romans 10, 9 and 10, Romans 10, 13. These are verses that are commonly on the back of that tract. Pick up verse, verse number 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise, Say not in thine heart, Who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring Christ up again from the dead. Verse number 8. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. There is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So we see in a few verses here, faith in Jesus Christ is the only way to gain salvation. The Bible says here, Believing in your heart that Jesus is God and that he rose from the dead is what we must believe. Anyone who believes this can receive this salvation that Jesus offers. Let's read verse 14 and 15 together. Picking up verse 14. How shall they, let's start over. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent as it is written How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. I just want to put on record, uh, we messed up on our trio. That was my fault. Just to put that on record, uh, I came in early. So, Well, let's pray together, and uh, we'll jump into this scripture here. Father, we thank you for the great day you've given to us. Opportunity to be in church this morning, in Sunday school, in church, and uh, souls getting saved this morning, uh, children being brought here, teens, adults even being brought on the buses. Lord, we thank you so much for that ministry. And... um, what it brings to this church and those that serve in that week after week, and almost a thankless job many, many times, most of the time, 
So we're thinking for all the workers, the children's workers, the nursery workers, all the, the things that it uh, takes to keep this church ticking and uh, the ministries and reaching people. Lord, I pray we'd uh, be hearers of the word tonight, but not just that, but doers of it as well. Father, I ask that these truths of your word would um, prick our heart and that we would see some uh, ways that we can walk out different than we walked in tonight and that we would not be the same. Lord, we thank you for all the many things you've done, all the things you're going to do. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul poses four questions in these verses here, these last two. How can they on whom they have not how can they call on whom they've not believed? How can they how can they call on this person that they've not believed? How can they believe in whom they've not heard? How can they hear unless someone tells them and how can they preach unless they're sent? So let's look at this look at this passage here. We're going to mainly be at verse number 14 and 15. What is a preacher, right? We hear this term, we hear even the term a call to preach, right? What is a preacher? What's this verse talking about here? Uh, this word preacher it's some Greek word that I won't try to pronounce, all right? Uh, I won't uh, hurt you with that. But it means a herald, uh, not the guy at the baseball game, herald, but uh, somebody who uh, heralds the news. It was a job, even through med- medieval times, um, but it was a job that somebody would have. They, would, they were the town crier, if you will. But a herald was a type of messenger, often somebody with a loud voice. So Roy would be a good herald. Uh, who would be sent by kings and noblemen to deliver messages and proclamations. Kings would employ heralds to loudly proclaim their message in a way that everyone could hear. Not only that, but kings would send heralds ahead of time uh, as they journey to a city to proclaim the king's message and instruct the people to make preparations for the arrival of the king. These heralds would go ahead of a king, or nobleman it says, and, and would make a decree of a king known. So a, decree would make, a king would make a decree and these heralds would go and they'd go to the the areas, and they, they tell the people, this is the decree the king made. They'd also run from city to city, letting everyone in the path know what the king's message was. The power of this message, though, was not in the herald himself, right? The power was in the herald's message and who it was from. The power was in the king, right? Who cared who the, who the herald was? Who cares who the messenger was, right? Don't shoot the messenger, uh, if you will. But the power was in the message itself and, and who gave it. The herald was just the messenger. We see Paul, Paul said he was not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? Why was he not ashamed of it? Right? There's this Jewish man this, from this really small city in this really small country that is in this massive Roman empire. And this one man that was put on a cross by Romans. And Paul's desiring to come to Rome, right? And he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Because Paul's a great person? No. Because... Jesus is great, right? Because the message is great. I'm not, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? Because the power of God unto salvation, Romans 1.16 tells us. Today our power is not in of ourselves, but it is in God, the king of all. He has made a decree, and he sends his heralds out to share it with the world. And we see that word is preacher, somebody who preaches. Romans 10.15 says, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. They say uh, runners. They, they have runners. We see this uh, is where we get the, the term, uh, the, the marathon runs and marathon races today. I don't know. And then there's like ultra marathon, right? Uh, I don't know who, who's insane enough to do that, but uh, nevertheless, uh, there was runners though. They would, they would run ahead or they would, they would give report of some, 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 uh, some battle of, or, or some army and they would run and tell, and tell the people, hey, here's what's going on in the war. Here's what's going on in the battle. And they would bring some news and they say these, these runners, they could tell by how they ran if the news was good or bad, right? 
Uh, it's, you're in the hospital and, and you know somebody's sick. You can kind of tell by the, the way the doctor's walking in the room, right? You can tell by his demeanor, his face, uh, how, if, that, if that news is going to be good news or if it's going to be bad news. And they, they say that these runners would run to a city to give the news. And if, if they were kind of dragging, if they were uh, kind of sluggish, they knew that news wasn't really going to be that great. They, even, even the watchmen were trained to, to look at the runner and know from even far out if this was going to be a good report or a bad report. But if that runner, man, he was kicking up some dirt, he had some steam, he had some heart in him, they knew that was some good news he was about to bring. The, we get the term marathon, that, that phrase, because it was from the distance from marathon to Athens. Uh, it's a little far further now, but um, that's where we get that term. And the, the, it's more of a, um, a legend now. There's, there's some discrepancies of what's true about that story, but at this runner, and his name was also some Greek name that I won't uh, butcher, but this runner, uh, it was the, the, uh, a fight between uh, the Athenians and I believe the Assyrians, and the Athenians were doing well, the Grecian people, and they won the battle, and so he runs from, he runs from Marathon to Athens to give report, and then he like drops over dead, right? And there's some other, some other uh, history that maybe he ran like 300 miles or something in a couple, of course, a couple of days, but nevertheless, that's where we get that from. Isaiah 57, 2, which is, which is what this verse is quoting, right? It says, as it is written, and every time it says, as it is written, it's because it's probably written in the scripture somewhere else, right? But we see, as it is written, it says, and I, Isaiah 57, 2, which is the passage that we see is referenced here in Romans. It says, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publisheth salvation, that saith unto Zion, thy God reigneth. We see, when Isaiah is saying this, he's prophesying of what was going to happen to the children of Israel, but not just that. We see the children of Israel this time, they're in captivity, but Cyrus was going to let them go. And as the news spread, Jews were spreading the news of their freedom from captivity. I'm sure with great heart and, and joy and, and cheerfulness and happiness and with, with speed, we're going around to the, to the few left in Jerusalem telling them, hey, we're going to be let free, captivity is over. But how much greater is the freedom that, that Isaiah was prophesying even greater with Jesus Christ that Paul references here. Our freedom from captivity of sin. How beautiful is the source that carries that good news. How beautiful are the feet. The thing that moves the gospel. The thing that, that takes the gospel to places that it has not been to people who have not heard it. How beautiful are the feet of those that spread good tidings. I think of uh, paper boys and at the end of war, specifically World War II, had ended. Right, The Nazis has been de defeated. The Japanese have been defeated, right? Can you imagine those, those newsboys, just, you know, good news, bad news? But now the war is over, right? Victory has been won. The joy, the celebration, how happy people were to hear and tell of the end of World War II. A great, devastating war in our whole world, but in our country. Some of the headlines that time were extra. It's peace. Peace, it's over. War is over. Full victory. Treaty signed. War over. This is what a preacher does. They share the news, and specifically here, the good news. Who is sent to preach is the next question here. What is a preacher? But who is sent to preach? The word for sent here is from the same word that we get the word apostle from. That, that, that sending out. That sending out with a mission. The specific calling to go do something. Take this news somewhere. The word means to order one to go to a place appointed. Jesus was sent by God. This word is here is used in Luke 4, 19 through 20. It says, and he's quoting Isaiah here as well. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me. He hath sent me, right there, we see that same word that we are sent out to preach the gospel. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach 
the acceptable year of our Lord. We see Jesus was sent. We see Paul was sent. Fifteen times Paul refers to himself as an apostle, one who was sent. We see Romans 1.15. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. We see here Jesus was sent. Paul was sent. We see a man Jesus healed was sent. We see here, uh, let's turn to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, and you know the story well, but let's read it a little bit. Luke chapter number 8, verse number 26. Luke chapter 8, verse number 26, the Bible says, And they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. And when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man which had devils long time, and wear no clothes, neither abode in any house but in the tombs. Verse number 28. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus? Thou Son of God, Most High, I beseech thee, torment me not. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of that man. For oftentimes it had caught him, and he was kept bound with chains and in fetters. And he brake the bands and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. Verse 30, And Jesus asked him, saying, What is thy name? And he said, Legion, because many devils were entered into him. And they besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep. And there was there an heard of many swine feeding on the mountain. They besought him that he would suffer them to enter into them, and he suffered them. Then when the devils, then went the devils out of the man and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the lake and were choked. Verse 34, when they had fed them, and when they that fed them saw what was done, they fled and went and told it in the city and in the country. Then they went out to see what was done and came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils was departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. They also saw it. They, they also which saw it told them by what means he that was possessed of the devils was healed. Verse 37. Then the whole multitude of the country of the Gadarenes round about besought him to depart from them. But they were taken with great fear. And he went up again into the ship and returned back again. Verse 38. So he's here. Right, we got the story here. This man, he's, he's, he's uh, filled with devils, right? There's many of them, lesion, all right? There's many devils. Jesus casts them out in this herd of swine, this herd of pigs, right? They, they run down the mountain and they drown. And this man's sitting there, right? The Bible make, makes mention that he's clothed and he's in his right mind, uh, assuming the fact that he prior was not clothed or in his right mind. Verse number 38. Now the man out of whom the devils were departed besought him that he might be with him, speaking of Jesus. But Jesus sent him away saying, Return to thine own house, and show how great things God hath done unto thee. And he went his way, and published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him. You see here, this man was sent. He published it throughout. It's the same word for preach, published. He published it throughout. Jesus changed this man's life. He wanted to go with Jesus, but Jesus told him to stay and tell people about him. Oh, what a message this man had to share. It says they tried to chain him up. I'm sure he would hurt himself, cut himself, right? They knew him as a, as a crazy man with demons. But Jesus showed up one day, and the people were no longer scared of this man, right? But they were scared of Jesus now because of the great change that Jesus had caused on this man. 
What an amazing day for this individual. And there's a tragic story here to some extent because these people, I think in another passage it says that he could do no good work here, right? He, could, he couldn't do anything here because these people didn't want him there. That he, had, he had changed this man, man's life so drastically, this man who is a, a nuisance to their society, changed it so drastically that they were like, whoever this guy is that can change this man, <laughs> we don't want him here. He scares us, the power that he has. But this man was sent back into his town. He said, go tell everybody what happened to you. Go tell everybody what I did to you, the change that has taken place in your life. So we see Jesus was sent. We see Paul was sent. We see this man was sent. And you and I are sent. Mark 16, 15 says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Matthew 28, 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So what is, what is a preacher? Who is sent? We see here, what are we sent to preach? Well, we're sent to preach the gospel. What is the gospel? Well, the root word for the gospel is the same word we get evangelists from, evangelize, evangelism. Another word is translated uh, to preach. Uh, this word gospel is translated to preach in some ways. That's the same root word. Not in the case we're at tonight, but it comes from two Greek words. The first means well. The second means a messenger. The second part of that word is uh, the same word we get angel from. So a messenger. The gospel, the gospel literally means a good message, right? Uh, this term was kind of commandeered, if you will, uh, by Paul and by, uh, by the Christians speaking about their gospel, their good news, their good message, because let's be honest, it's the greatest of all. But it was, it was more uh, prescribed, ascribed to Caesar, and he would make, make a message, and if it was good, it, it would be ascribed to him, saying there's, there's a good message that these heralds, that these runners, that these, these people are proclaiming throughout uh, the Roman Empire, th throughout the world. And this Christianity comes along, and we kind of commandeer this term, the gospel, the good message, a good message, a good news. The gospel is glad tidings of salvation through Jesus Christ. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation, the Bible says, for all who believe. The gospel is the good news that Jesus has died, was buried, rose again three days later, and now sits at the right hand of God, making intercession for all those who have put their faith in him as their only hope for salvation. This is the gospel. Matthew Henry says, when, when bad news is abroad, this is good news. And when good news is abroad, this is the best news. We see here, the gospel is the fact that Jesus, as dead as Jesus was, so we also can be dead to our sin. And as alive as Jesus is, we also can be alive evermore in Christ. It's the fact that sins can be forgiven. That's the good news. That's the gospel. It's the fact that I once was lost, but now I'm found. It's I was blind, but now I see. I think of the song, it's once I wandered in sin's black night. There was no way I could make my wrongs right. Then the old accuser, the, the, then the old accuser to the Lord did cry, he is a sinner and now he must die. But then I heard a voice saying, Father, I'll go and I'll pay his sin debt on Calvary's flow. I'll bear in my body the marks of the cross to save this child who is sin sick and lost. That's the gospel there. It's still the blood that saves from sin. Years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not, my Lord was crucified. Knowing not it was for me, he died on Calvary. Mercy there was great, and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. Once I was bound, 
In sin's galling fetters, chained like a slave, I struggled in vain. But then I received a glorious freedom when Jesus broke my fetters in twain. I'm justified. I'm happy in Jesus today. The sins I've committed, they're all in the past. They'll never condemn me, for he holds me fast. That's the gospel tonight. The gospel is the fact that we could spend all night proclaiming all that the gospel is. The gospel is the good news that I'm not only forgiven from all my sin, but I don't have to live in them anymore. It's not just an eternal hope, it's a today hope that I don't have to live in sin, I don't have to be controlled and condemned by it. There's therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, the Bible says. Through the death and burial of my fleshly desires, the Holy Spirit comes in and raises me in the newness of life to be more like Christ. Yes, Jesus died on the cross. Yes, he was buried. Yes, he rose again to pay for our sins, to give us justification and glorification, but also sanctification so that today your flesh and my flesh can be crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, we live, yet not I, not yet us, but Christ liveth in us. The Holy Spirit comes in and indwells this physical flesh our body, and he lives in and through us. This is the gospel. It's hope not just for eternity, but it's hope for today that sin does not have to control us. It doesn't have to condemn us. It doesn't have to keep us under its weight. We can be free from it. To whom and where are we to preach? We see what is, what is preaching. We see who is a preacher. We see where and to whom and where are we supposed to preach? Well, to the whole world, right? We probably know this First John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The whole world, Mark 16, 15, we've read this already, but he said to them, go into all, all the world and preach the gospel. When are we supposed to preach? Well, all the time. May we have a lifestyle of evangelism. I didn't say lifestyle evangelism, all right? A lifestyle of evangelism. Uh, there's a thing where, you know, you don't necessarily tell people you're a Christian. You try to kind of hide your faith. You just kind of live it out, and hopefully people kind of pick up the gist of it, all right? Now, people should pick up the gist that you're a Christian, though, by the way you live, by the way you act, by the kindness you have. I, a good quote, I think, I'm not, I'm not sure it's original with him, but I heard Pastor Wilkerson make uh, many times in college, your, your words whisper, but your life shouts. You can say a lot of things, right? Your, your walk talks, but your, and, your, and your talk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks, right? Uh, you can say a lot of things, you can do a lot, but, but what you do matters, right? What, what, what you, your actions speak louder than words, right? That, may, that phrase may be a little more known. Jesus said it this way, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if ye have love one to another. People should know you're a Christian, yes, because you tell them, yes, because you share your faith with them, but because of how you act, because of how you live. This, this is how people should know. This is what Jesus said. This is how people are going to know. This is how they should know is because you love people, because you love one another. You love your spouse. You love your kids. You love each other. You love uh, fellow Christians. You, you're kind and loving and respectful and all those things at your job. This is how people know. This is, the, this is living out the gospel, being like Christ. Just coming to soul winning on Saturdays or door hanging on Thursdays or visiting a bus route or teaching a Sunday school class or helping a junior church or uh, all the things you check off the list each week to make you a good church member are not, that's not, that's not enough. I'm not diminishing those things in any way um, because they're good and we need more of it, right? We need more people to come out soul winning on, on Saturdays when we have that and, and door hanging and, and those type of things. We need people to serve and, be, and volunteer for those things, but... If we come out soul winning on Saturday and neglect to show Christ in our word and deed on Monday to our co-worker, we're missing it. 
You come soul winning, knock on some doors, have some quick conversations, leave a few, few papers at some, at some people's doors, and we go to work, we go home, we don't live like Christ, and we don't share Christ with those people. What are we doing? Right? We're, living, we're, living, we're living two lives. That's, that's, the, that's the easy thing to do, to come, spend a couple hours, do some good things that are needful and, and necessary, but then to go home, to go to the workplace, to go to uh, fellow employees and friends and, and act different and, and not share Christ with those people. It's sometimes easier to share, share Jesus Christ with a stranger than it is with somebody we know. What are they going to think? Are they going to be embarrassed? Am I, am I going to cross a line with them? Am I going to hurt my relationship with them because I told them about Jesus? I saw somebody post, and, and it was... And uh, on Facebook, and he said something, you know, somebody, I want someone to be so surprised that I'm a Christian because of how normal I am. <laughs> it's, it's like, no one, should be a, no, one should be, they, no one should be surprised that you're a Christian. Um, they, they should be very clear to them. Not because you're a jerk, but because of how kind you are, because of how loving you are, because, because you talk about Jesus, because you talk good about your spouse, you talk good about your children, because uh, you, you, you talk good about your church and, and how it's transformed your life. I think about how many heard the gospel from a friend or family member, a coworker. Andrew went and told Peter, his brother. Brother Donovan here uh, was instrumental in Jake Dobbs' dad getting saved in, in church. And, uh, Chad Nunemaker, he invited Tony and Erica. Uh, Jason, Jason Wright, his life was a huge factor for Tyler Larimer getting saved and coming to, to gospel light. So who do you know that you need to give the gospel to? Maybe... You need to build some relationships in your life that are intended on giving the gospel. It's not a bad motive. It's not a bad motive to, to befriend somebody because you want to build a relationship with them to give them a gospel. Somebody at work, somebody to cross paths with. Sometimes you're not going to be able just to give them a, a quick rundown of the gospel and, and, and then pray a prayer right there. Sometimes you've got to build that relationship a little bit more. Sometimes you've got to talk to them. Sometimes you've got to befriend them. Sometimes you have to be kind to them. And it's going to take a while, maybe take years. But just being there, being kind, being a good Christian, being a good follower of Jesus Christ. When the opportunities come, you share the gospel clearly with them. You invite them to things. You, you try to be there for them. You try to be a good follower of Jesus Christ and a good representation of who and what Jesus Christ is. So why don't we preach the gospel? Well, number one, you're not saved. That would be the first reason. Probably not the case for most people in here. I hope so, right? It's hard to convince or show somebody some, something that... You don't believe, right? It's not impossible, but it's difficult. If you've experienced the effect of having your eternal destiny redirected from hell eternally to heaven eternally, how in the world can we not help but share it? I think about the song, Happy Am I. Says line says, how can I help but shout it every day and telling the world about it? Number two, why reason we don't preach the gospel is we're not allowing Jesus to transform your life right now. Maybe you were saved at a young age or saved a long time ago, and the polish is worn off. It's not as new. It's not as on our mind. We don't consider it every day, maybe, the great sacrifice that it was to save us. Obviously, no, we know after we get saved, we're not perfect. We enter this process of sanctification where we, Jesus is transforming us to be more like him. The Bible says, Romans 8 for whom he did for no, he also did predestinate to what? Be conformed to the image of his son. It's a process that Jesus helps us with. The Holy Spirit takes us on that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. To be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Uh, Romans 12 says it this way. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's hard to convince and show people the change and betterment that can, 
happen in their life when it's not happening in our own. We knock on that door. We try to convince somebody that this is life-changing. That's difficult sometimes when it's not changing, when it's not life-changing to us. When the love, the joy, the transformation, the conforming to Jesus has stalled a little bit in our life. It's, 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 it's got thrown into neutral. It's not driving forward. We're not seeing great change in our life. We, we don't consider the transformation that Jesus is trying to do right now in your life, the saved person. Yes, you're saved. Maybe you've been saved for a long time, but Jesus is still trying to transform you. He's still trying to conform you to his image. But it's hard sometimes when we go to that door. We've slid back into sin. Maybe we're not right with the Lord or other people. Because that's one and the same sometimes, right? If we're, if we're hating, we're, we have problems with other people, we're not right with the Lord. We go, we try to share with people, this can change your life. But is it changing your life, the one sharing it? Sometimes it's difficult to do. It's difficult to share with people something that we claim is life-changing because it is when it's not changing our life. Well, do you remember when you got saved? Do you realize what it costs for your salvation? Jesus, God, came and died on the cross, was tortured. Truly, he hath borne our griefs, our sorrows. By his stripes, we are healed. It took a lot to save your soul and my soul. We sometimes like to compare. We're a lot close to the worst person we can think of than we are to God, aren't we? It took a lot to save you. It took a lot to save me. Sometimes we forget that. We forget how bad of a place we were without Jesus and how bad of a place we would have been without Jesus. Oh, if we consider that, how can we keep quiet about the gospel? How can we be, keep quiet about Jesus? How can we help but shout it? What does a preacher look like? There's a leper who's healed in Mark chapter 1. Let's flip over there, Mark chapter 1. Verse number 41. Mark 1, 41 says, And Jesus, with compassion, I love how many times that's there in the Bible and he helps people move with compassion. Put forth his hand and touched him. So we see verse 40, there's a leper that comes to him asking him to heal him, make him clean. Verse 41. And said unto him, I will be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him and he was cleansed. And he straightway charged him, it's Jesus speaking, and forthwith sent him away and saith unto him, See thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto the Lord. So Jesus says, hey, just go quietly, go to the priest. I know you're a leper. Go to the priest. There's some things Moses said to do to make sure you're cleansed and go through that process. Go through there, just, just go straight there. Don't tell anybody, just go right there, be quiet. Verse 45. But he, speaking of the leper, went out and began to publish it much and to blaze abroad the matter. Look here, look here, this is, this is incredible. Insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city, but was without in desert places, and they came to him from every quarter. So this leper, Jesus is like, just go straight there, keep quiet, hush, hush, right? And this leper like, 
He just could not contain himself. He was just uncontrollably just spewing this out. So much so that Jesus can't even come into the city anymore. He just, and people are just coming to him. Like he's just trying, he is just being overwhelmed by people so much that he just got to stay out. And people are coming from every quarter. Everywhere they're coming to see Jesus. Oh, how we should be more like this leper. We should be like this man. The change that has taken place in our life, so much greater than somebody being healed from leprosy. Can we admit that? It should be so uncontainable that even if Jesus himself said for us not to share it, we couldn't even help ourselves. This is man. Jesus said, don't tell anybody. And he's like, I can't. I can't not tell somebody. I was dying. Right? I had leprosy. There was zero hope. No hope of life. I was going to die with this disease. I can't see my family. I'm stuck here. I've got to stay away from people. And this man, Jesus, just said the word and it happened. This is not the state where we were in. Lost helpless, dying, on our way to hell, no hope, Jesus steps in and heals our condition. As Christians, we should be like those young newsboys proclaiming World War II, but proclaiming the gospel, the good news, right? There's a lot of bad news out there. The good news, though, the best news, peace, peace with God, full victory in Jesus Christ. If you're not going to preach, though, who is? If you're not going to invite your coworker to church, who is? If you're not going to witness to your family, who is? If you're not going to come out witnessing on Saturdays, who is? If you're not going to give out the gospel, who is? If Gospel Light Baptist Church isn't going to reach Marion and Cedar Rapids, who is? Christians aren't going to reach the world for Christ, then who is? May I pose the question Paul posed? How shall they hear without a preacher? How? How are people going to hear the gospel if you don't share it? If I don't share it? That is our commission. We see this in the Bible. Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. But if we're not going to do that, who is? I, a church I, I, I worked at in Michigan for a little while. And uh, Saginaw, Michigan, which I think your brother lives in now. Yeah. And uh, worked there for a little while. And uh, there was a family that came to the church. And they liked our church because our church went out soul winning. And this family never came soul winning. <laughs> but they liked being a part of a church that went soul winning. <laughs> don't be a part of something. Be in it, right? Don't, don't, just, don't just be part of some... some body of some organization that does good things, but be part of the thing. And I understand it doesn't work in everybody's schedule to come out, but don't just, be so, don't just be glad, well, I'm glad this church shares the gospel. I'm glad we've got tracks. I'm glad we've got good people here that give the gospel. No, 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 no. You, you be the person that shares the gospel. You be that person. Don't just be glad you're a part of an organization that does that. Do the thing. Do the thing of giving the gospel out. Be a preacher. Men and women alike, we have outdoor night coming up. This is a, uh, an evangelistic event. We're trying to reach people that wouldn't otherwise come to church, wouldn't show up on a Sunday or a Wednesday night. We're going to come and eat some good food. Hopefully it's good. That rabbit soup's good, right? Um, some venison. Uh, hopefully eat some good food and win some, good away, win some uh, giveaways, some good giveaways. That's good aways. Um, some good giveaways and maybe a gun and those type of things. 
And then the gospel is going to be presented to them very clearly. And uh, they're going to be given the opportunity to say yes to Jesus Christ, to accept him as their savior. So invite your friends, invite your family. This is a great event. Take some flyers, co-workers, somebody that maybe uncomfortable wouldn't be maybe appropriate at the time to invite them to church, but maybe they'll come to that. We've got Easter coming up. This is the, the single event that separates Christians from everybody else. It's the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. We're going to do a lot of things. We're going to have Facebook ads and every door direct mails and door hangers and invite cards and a banner out front. Lots of things going on. But who are you going to invite? Who's somebody that you have in mind that's, that's there that you can invite to church to come hear the gospel? Obviously, Easter Sunday and many visitors here, hopefully a very clear gospel presentation will be given. Who do you know that needs to be here? Who, who do you know that, that maybe it's just, it's, it's, not your, it's not your spot maybe to, you know, give them the, the full four points of the gospel and try to get them to pray right there, but you can get them here. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's, that's something you can do. You can give them an invitation. You can say, hey, come sit by my family. Come, come be a part of the breakfast and bring your kids to the, the candy scramble, and, and, and you can sit right by me. Is that something we can do? Is that something we can, we can, we can facilitate getting the gospel to people. We've been sent by God to proclaim the good news to all people. Let's do it. That's what we're called to do as believers. That's what our theme is, right? Jesus. I like the phrase, know him. Know him. If you don't know Jesus, know him. And if you do know Jesus, know him better, right? That I may know him, Paul says, and make him known. There's a sense here in faith that I am persuaded, therefore I persuade. If you go to a good restaurant, it's tough not to tell people about it, right? It tastes good. It's enjoyable. If you go have fun at something, we were talking about a, a top golf or something today at lunch. And it was just, you know, I've been there. It's fun. And, and you talk about those things you enjoy, those experiences that you had that were good, that you want to share with people. So they have a good experience too. Has the gospel not been a good experience in our life? Has it not transformed us? Has it not done great things for us? Has it not pulled us out of sin, given us hope? Not just in this life, but the next. Let's share it. Let's tell people. Let's, let's be soul conscious is a good phrase. Of just who can I give the gospel to? Who can I, who can I befriend? Who can I better my relationship with so that way I can, I can get them in church one day? Or I can, I can give them a track maybe. There's all these different ways for us to spread and share the gospel. Let's do it. How shall they hear without a preacher? We look back to verse number 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is for anybody. This is for everybody. And God gives us the great privilege to be his messenger, to share, to proclaim, to preach the gospel, to tell people about Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the great day you've given to us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the gospel, and that it is the power of God and his salvation to everyone that believeth. Lord, I would guess everyone in here has heard the gospel many, many times. And for most, if not all, have accepted it by faith. But Lord, I pray that it would not end there, that each one of us feel compelled and convicted to be better witnesses for you. That we would build relationships with people, that we would see our coworkers, our friends, maybe family, neighbors, and we would infiltrate those lives for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of their soul and your work, Lord. Father, we love you. We thank you for all the many, many things you've done in this church and are continuing to do. We love you, Lord.